It's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk here on News Talk 1400 DWS. It is 511 we're with you until 6 o'clock this evening, as usual. Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, Scott Ritchie, a full lineup of sports reporters and your friendly host. The, the gang's back together. The band's back together. Got the band back together. Yeah. Phone line is open, 356-9397. We'll talk some Illinois football. Players report officially later this week, and practice starts on Friday. Bob, you all fired up for that? Yes. <laughs> I really was very enthusiastic. I love Bob. this time of year because two things: football, and I get to wear shorts every day for like a month. So it's awesome. Yes, you do. You do get to wear shorts. Bob. I do. Got to. There you go. So funny how <laughs> how little things get you fired shorts up. Shorts and a jacket. Shorts and a the, yeah, it makes uh, no sense, but it's what I do. It's all right, Bob. I it's how in, I roll. Came in yesterday to the office, and Bob was in here churning away on uh, some of his work and. You know, it was, I think, 90 outside or so, and Bob's at his desk with a jacket like he has on right now. I have an explanation, though. No, I know you do. Women get to carry purses. I should carry a purse, frankly. But I, this is a lot easier to carry around my keys, tape recorder. Also, so You also have pockets. Yeah, I don't like that feeling. Hashtag team cargo shorts. <laughs> I, I will load up all of my pockets. Yeah, but just, I don't like that weight, weighted down feeling. Well, just wear a belt. Do you have all your Chuck Taylors picked out for corresponding yeah, I, days? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Okay. Before, sp- sorry. Before this gets too far out of hand <laughs> with the, the fashion. I missed you guys last week. The fashion week. <laughs> or lack thereof of the uh, sports staff. Bring it back, Steve. Good job. More, oh, lack, more lack thereof. Try to bring it back. But practice uh, starts. On Friday, and uh, they'll be going Friday and then uh, Saturday and Sunday as well. Sunday and then right. have a little, little time off. And then they'll put the pads on next, not this coming, not this week, but next week sometime, right. and the full pads and get after it. But it's not the same. And you guys pointed it out, and I heard you Saturday. Lauren doesn't like that they don't hit, they don't kill each other during practice. Which <laughs> I've always said, why would you do that? But anyway, I'm not going to argue about that. But the idea of Full contact in practice is not actually what happens because they have to be careful. Because if you get hurt, you get one of these important players, Isaiah Williams or whoever, you mm-hmm. get somebody hurt, it's going to be a bad thing for this team. So you got to be smart about it. Levy Smith was game for the NFL. They don't kill people in practice there. They hit them pretty hard, but they don't crush them. No, I agree. It's always a delicate balance and tough, one that one call. that's tricky in, in a sport where tackling is required right. each and every Sunday when when you know the Illini go out there and they do have various drills throughout practice and, and things like that where they do practice tackling, but it's different when you're trying to tackle a rolling uh not a tire, but they have these new contraptions that they use they're blue foam circles yes exactly blue foam circles that they, that the, the grad assistants roll out there and then the defensive players go after and tackle them but that's different than tackling you know 
uh, Rondale Moore from Purdue or, or right. anyone like that. So uh, it's always a fine balance, but I, I get the point of not doing uh, as much tackling because you want the players to be as healthy as they can be once the season gets going. I get that too, and I I understand your point about Lovey and the NFL and all that. But, right. But if there are guy if he's working with an NFL defense, those guys who have made the NFL team, mm-hmm. they're pretty for good. Money. They know for how to money. tackle. <laughs> they do. Well, not all college guys have been taught the right way to no tackle. No question. You're right. And Absolutely right. So there's there's got to be some happy medium there's there. There's somewhere in the middle. Of, I think, again, to, don't take it to guys at the ground. It's where you get in trouble is that kind of thing. But I'll tell you, offensive linemen and receivers get hurt just cutting sometimes. It's, you know, basically, knees are not been, meant for football. Legs are not meant for football. Basically, nothing's meant for football. <laughs> Head's not meant for football. There's no appendage that's meant for football, really. True. And so, given that the nature of it, it's a physical sport. Sport. I know basketball is physical. I know wrestling's physical. But nothing's like this because there's two high comp. You know, high. It's like two, a car crash. Well, your body at one time, or the, the male body. At one time, might have been okay for football, but that's that time has passed. Right. I mean, back when Red Grange and those guys were playing, they weren't leading with their head. They, no. they were tackling with their shoulders. They learned how to do that. Exactly. exactly. And they've, again, I think we're going to get back to that. I think for football to survive, and I love football. I want football to be around the rest of my life. But for it to survive, there are going to have to be some changes that are going to involve making it not quite as physical. And it's still a great game without that. Frankly, I I love great tackling, but I really love a guy going up and making a fantastic catch, a running back, running back avoiding a linebacker. I think I love that more than anything. If you want to go to practice and you want to see some action, just keep your eye on the lines. Those guys go, go. they go at it pretty much regardless, uh, full strength, and whether they have pads on or not. And those guys are mixing it up, Scott. Yeah. Um. Is there more than full contact? Because that's sometimes what happens <laughs> right. when the the two lines go at each other. Um. And and I hashed this out with Lauren on Saturday as well, but I mean I think for a team like Illinois that struggled to make tackles um last season and season before that, maybe the season before that. Um before that as well. Yeah. It's been I can understand not wanting to get your players hurt. I mean that's kind of an obvious thing, but something in the preparation needs to change where players are in the right spot and making the the plays that they need to make um, so maybe that's the challenge for Lovey Smith, this training camp. Well, it's a, it's a huge challenge. And, and, you know, when Friday morning when, when they get out there, and as will be evident in, in our coverage most likely on Saturday as well, the, the number one question on people's minds is going to be who's the starting quarterback because that is unsettled uh, for the second straight year uh, going into the season. But 20th straight year. <laughs> no, they, nah, you, they've had known usually, for, yeah, usually had a guy. Right. Yeah, exactly. But the whole key to a possible successful season for Illinois football this fall revolves around the defense being able to improve and not just improve a little bit, improve drastically considering they're the worst defense in the big 10 last year and one of the worst in, in FBS. So whatever adjustments Lovey Smith needs to make, whatever uh, techniques his, his defensive players need to refine uh, in August, uh, they need to be done at a, at a high high rate of efficiency so that when the season opens up that uh, the defense doesn't, you know, give up 30, 40, 50 points uh, the first couple of games. And we're all kind of in the same book as reporters, the same uh, 
same page, I would say, of the book as reporters getting set to watch uh, spring practice. Last year at this time, we were anxious to see A.J. Bush, who had not uh, participated uh, with anybody at, to this point, and it's the same with Brandon Peters. And no question. We really haven't we haven't seen Isaiah Williams either, so that's where a lot of the uh, wandering eyes will be, Bob, at uh, early yes. part of practice, and probably through all fall fall camp. Well, and the other thing is, remember in practice, it's it's scout team against right one, one offense and one defense. So it's really not the first offense against the first defense. So they'll do that a little bit, but. Really, to get a feel for what's going on, we need games. We need we need August thirty first to get here. I wish it's a month away. This seems like ten months away to me, and I th- I think we'll know pretty early if we don't like to play defense right away. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing too. There's all sorts of uh, speculation, and and then you get some answers during training camp for how the players are going to perform and and who emerges and who's on the depth charts and what players that you weren't really thinking of come August have really kind of solidified a, self, a spot for themselves. But all that is for naught if they don't show up and perform on, on Saturdays when the season gets going on August 31st. And training camp's good in the sense that, yes, that it signifies that football is back in a sense. But, Bob, you can relate to this too. You've written thousands of inches on Illinois football throughout the years, and you'd probably be hard-pressed to remember every single training camp story you ever That's wrote. absolutely. I don't remember a, a <laughs> single story. Maybe one or two. Uh, I will say this too. We should get to this. The season te- technically starts August thirty first. Mm-hmm. It actually starts September twenty first because to, to me that's when the season starts. Illinois should be three and zero. Should be into that game against Nebraska at home. If they're not three and zero at that point, they got a real problem. If they're three and zero at that point and they play well or win that game, it's going to be a different type talking oh, yeah. point that at that. That time, so an interesting uh, weekend for Illinois football. A couple of verbal commitment uh, commitments were made. One by a quarterback out of the state of Georgia, C.J. Right. Dixon, and you uh, did some investigation on him uh, today, right? I talked to Tom Lemming, who knows more about football than everybody, knows more about recruiting than everybody. He said that the kid's a level, a really high level. Is uh, he said he's just getting started. It could be a great player. Could be an All American American player. Could be an NFL quarterback when he gets done with college. So he thought it was cool for Illinois, and really credits credits the Illinois coaches. He assumed Rod Smith and Mike Bellamy had a great deal to do with that. So uh, Tom was really high on high on this kid. He's seen him play a couple times in the summer, or actually in the winter. Sees him in January. And and has thought for years this guy is is really a top level quarterback. So big deal for Illinois to me. Our phone line is open three five six nine three nine seven, and we welcome into the program Carl. What do you say, Carl? Hi there. I got a long list. I just wanted to mention you talked about tackling, and the one conversation I had with Vic Koenig, the former defensive coordinator under Ron Zook, he lamented having to teach college players. Tackling, he said, I learned that when I was 10 years old. Right, right. Vic was and, yeah, he was pretty blunt about that. He really thought the level of preparation had had dropped since he was a player. So I, I agree with that. And uh, I, I was wondering, um, as far as Bobby Roundtree, is there any talk of him returning for school, like in the spring or anything like that, or... 
I know when uh, when Josh Whitman uh, kind of had his uh, you know end of the school year media roundtable back in uh, what mid June, uh, he said that Roundtree was had just been transported up to a facility in Chicago and would be there three to six months, and then after that, uh, I think plans were for him to come back uh, on campus and and be around uh, you know the this football staff and and resume his studies one one to th- one would think uh once he takes care of all his rehab work up in up in chicago well good i'd like you know it's important for him to finish his degree mm-hmm. no exactly and, and i was wondering guys what do you think the uh new facility how much effect is that having on these guys uh come uh Pledging to Illinois. I, I think it's going to have more of an effect maybe on the, the class of 2021, 2022 moving forward, uh, just because guys like C.J. Dixon and, and Kevin Tyler, the offensive lineman out of St. Louis that verbally committed to Illinois on, on Sunday night. Yes, they've they've been up here, they've visited, but they, they you know haven't actually gone into the facility and, and seen what it's like because it's still in the final stages of, of getting preps on. But I'm sure the, the recruits that – uh, Lovey will bring on Lovey and his staff will bring on to campus uh, this year during games and official visits and things like that. They're going to show off the new facility and everything, all the anemones uh, that it does have. I'm guessing CJ Dixon got to look at the thing anyway. I bet you all those guys that were at that little barbecue they had in the Grove, I'm sure they got to look at it. I, I'm sure they had, had to have, right? Yeah. What else you got, Carl? Oh, I think that's about it. Okay. I'll give you guys a break. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Carl. Appreciate the call. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number if you'd like to join us. We'll take our first time out. Talk some more football. We've got some Illinois basketball stuff to talk about as well. And as we mentioned, feel free to join us on Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS. Welcome back to the show, Monday Night Sports Talk. Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, Scott Ritchie. Steve Kelly with you until 6 with the phone line open. Let's go back to the phones. John's been hanging on during the, during the break. Hey, John, what's going on? Oh, yeah, I was just wondering. Uh, Purdue and Illinois were pretty much equivalent programs a couple of years ago where they were both pretty bad, and both of them had prior coaches that were pretty bad uh, and got fired. And I'm just wondering how you would explain how Purdue's been able to rock it up to a couple bowl games and just really uh, eating some places are saying they might even compete for the West Championship this year, and Illinois is still pretty much in the doldrums. Uh, I'll uh, get off and let you answer that. Thanks. Uh, Jeff Brom. Right. That's what I was <laughs> going to say. That Jeff Brom was a genius hire. Now we'll go back to when Illinois hired Levy Smith. Jeff Brom was available. Okay? And I would have told, I think I told Matt, I think I would have told Scott, I would have told Steve, Jeff Brom should be the coach here because he'd been here. We knew about him. He knew of this place. He was a great quarterback himself, was a great coach everywhere he's been. He was a guy that was ready to do what he's doing at Purdue. So well, I think that's a higher situation. And here's what Jeff Brom did, other than just being a good coach, where, where Lovey Smith basically just blew it up uh, in right. his first years and played well, the 2017 class, played All 22 right. freshmen, All started 16 yeah. of them. Brom, in that same season, added some junior college exactly. transfers, other transfers, mm-hmm. and they got – better right away because they were older. He had a quarterback that was ready to go. Uh, Rock, well, they, uh, they, he helped refine those quarterbacks. Yeah. They had, yeah. they did have he quarterbacks there, but he made them a bajillion times they, better than what been they were under Darryl Hazel. Right? They'd been 2-10 and ten the previous year. Yeah, Darryl Hazel. But that's amazing to do what he did there. And it's funny because Joe Tiller did the same thing at Purdue. 
did the exact same thing. Went to bowl for first year, got the thing fixed in a hurry. And I'll tell you what, that's a great thing when you try and build because it tells people we're serious. Well, and I mean, they you know went that transfer out and had success early, and then that landed them Rondell Moore. Right. And then it landed them uh, another four-star receiver out of Kentucky this year. Uh, I want to say David Bell. I'm not sure if that's right. But winning led to more better players. Anybody with a brain knew Jeff Brown was going to be this guy. And he's the question is how long Purdue can keep him. Because I, I and he stuck through the Louisville thing, which mm-hmm. is an alma mater. He decided I'll stay here. But I wonder if someday down the road if Florida calls well, or you'd, you'd Alabama have to, calls. You'd have to think if Purdue can – build upon that success uh you know in, in 2019 maybe even 2020 you know brahm would maybe take a leap and go somewhere else because i don't know if you can turn purdue into a wisconsin uh, yeah i don't know That's if you can, i don't know if you can turn them into a team that contends yeah. for you know for the big 10 title each and every year they may contend in the west but for them to eventually you know make that leap i think might be a little little stretching nick right saban now. isn't coaching forever i'm telling you this and i'm telling you that's the guy they'll consider I promise, especially if Purdue does what they could do, which is win a couple of West titles in the next couple of years. He's going to be pretty easy hire. He's a great offensive coach. So yeah, that he's being, not going to be a Purdue. That forever. being said, too, with Purdue, we're you know touting the the exploits of Jeff Brom and, and kudos of what he's done for for turning them around. But they got blown out in their bowl game uh, to Auburn. They lost sixty three fourteen in their last game in the 2018 season. So. Yes. Now I feel bad about what I did. <laughs> <laughs> great, great hire by Purdue, and, and right. I think Brom is the key reason why Purdue has, uh, you know, been able to turn the corner uh, his first two seasons. But, you know, pump the brakes. Don't build the statue outside ross Aid Stadium just I, yet. Well, he wasn't in Western Kentucky, too. And I just, yeah. think, I just think he's destined for really good things there. The fact they got more to come there, the, the, given the fact they hadn't done a whole lot, they had went, been to one bowl game, Pretty impressive. Plus, that he, was, plus was he played amazing. in the XFL, so there you yeah. go. That's, and had one of the crazier, funnier moments where he got absolutely destroyed and taken off the field on a stretcher and then came back with a brace on his neck. And like, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what he said, but he it's does like, it's like some, the XFL clip of all time. He does give some fiery pregame speeches, too, yeah. when, and they, when they let cameras in. I just want to say that I was right. It is David Bell, who's forward, four-star wide receiver, and him. Not the Cincinnati Reds manager no. that gets tossed all the time. And George Karloftis, who's also a freshman this year. In the recruiting rankings era, they're two of the top five recruits Purdue's right. ever gotten. Well, Purdue's a good example. I mean, it's a good comparison, I no, think, exactly. of, of teams not only that are nearby, but kind of uh, running on a parallel line for a long time. And uh, that'd be something, if you could do it, how do you want to do things and how do you want to model it? That'd be one model to look at. Uh, Joe Tiller, again, yeah. came to Purdue and went to bowl game after bowl game after bowl game. And I asked one time about whether or not he was in the picture for Illinois, and he was not. And they got hired the same year as Ron Turner. And I'm telling you, and nothing against Ron Turner, but Joe Tiller had a great career at Purdue. Well, I think that just goes back to show you again how important hiring a head coach is and, oh my. and what Critical. effect they have on the overall health uh, of a program. Because before Joe Tiller came to Purdue, there was they had you know a, a good season here or there, but it was nothing like a consistency that they developed under Tiller. Then he left, then Danny Hope came in, and he just kind of fizzled out. And then they brought in Daryl Hazel, who had success in the MAC, but he fizzled out and took the program to even lower depths and 
you bring in Brom and, and he's done so well his first two seasons. Somebody at Wisconsin one day decided this assistant coach at Notre Dame would be a pretty good head coach, Barry Alvarez. That worked out pretty well. I think it was the previous AD actually hired Barry. But that worked out pretty well. But how do you see? Yeah, but you that didn't know guy? that. You didn't know it at the time. No, exactly. you didn't know it at the no. time. But it worked out, out pretty well. Didn't it did. It, it and did. So sometimes, it really, honestly, in the Wisconsin case, I think they got lucky. Okay, they just they just picked the right guy who was ready to get on the scene and turn everything around. And Barry, first couple of years, was they were horrible. They were not good. But Barry was able to do it because they stuck with him. So I think Illinois. Sometimes people always t- tell you Illinois is never going to be good in football. That's crazy because everybody's been good in football at some point. So saying never is – I will never say never because I've seen it happen too often like Wisconsin, Miami, all the those others, other schools. Let's go back to the phones, and Eric is with us. What do you say, Eric? Hey, guys. Um, did, uh, Jeff Brown used to be on Illinois staff as well. He was. <laughs> he was here for a couple of years with Ron Zuck. He was a quarterback coach, and actually – when they won the uh, game at San Craft Francisco, he was the offense coordinator because uh, because uh, somebody Bobby left. Or, uh, uh, Petrino. Yeah, Paul, Paul Petrino. Petrino had left. So, uh, yeah, Jeff Brown, I, in fact, I was down in uh, San Francisco talking to him a lot about all the things that were going on. He was so calm during that whole thing. If you remember, there was a firestorm. Lots of coaches were mad. And they uh, didn't want to work the game and all this. Jeff was kind of like calm, normal. Yeah, so. he was cr- and he was key in, in developing uh, Nathan Sheilhouse. No question. At, at Illinois. Huge role in that. Um, Bob, I was going to mention, you just wrote an article recently when you mentioned the, the when they fired Cubit and who all the coaches were that were hired at the same time. And I thought that was one of the better articles. I totally agree with it, too, that uh, I'm not sure that everything was followed correctly since that, that time. So just wanted to talk about that. Well, I appreciate that. I think, again, timing is everything in football. And, you know, and timing is everything and everything. But in football, especially <laughs> because you look that, at the that's people. That's a Bobism. You look at the people that were available then. So the people that were hired at the same time, I assume they were looking for head coaching jobs or they were ready to move from where they were previously. And that list to me was pretty stri- striking. There were a lot of great people on the list. Now, if somebody called me out. I think I put somebody on there that South Carolina Airs coach. Will Muschamp. Yes, they called me out on that. Maybe it was, that had been here. Yeah, somebody called me out and said, no, that was a bad hire. So I was like, okay, you, I'll give you that. Maybe that was, he had won nine games two years ago, so that pretty good. But a lot of the other people in that list were really, really talented people. And I think you, I should have to look at, did Illinois t- overturn every stone? That's a great question. Anything right. else, Eric? No, that's all. Thanks. Yep. Appreciate the call. 356-9397 is the number if you'd like to join us. Timing is everything in everything. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing more as ever. It's the truest thing I've ever said. So (laughs) speaking of timing, have you got your preseason ballot turned in, ready to go? not turned in. You can't turn it in until Thursday. Okay. So Thursday it'll be in, and I put the top ten in right now. Just make Uh, sure your timing's good on that, Bob. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it will be noon, it is noon it is. Eastern time. They messed me up because everything's Eastern time, so I gotta find ahead. I never remember which side that is. Uh, so noon Eastern. Spoken is like a true time. Midwesterner, Bob. Noon Eastern is eleven or time, I believe. I don't think you could go. Who, with uh, man, Bob, you just. I Guess love you, it. man. 
Well, anyway. I don't think you could go with your statement of timing is everything and everything if you don't know how to tell time. <laughs> Good point. Okay. So you get about that. Uh, so your no, ballot, Bob. Back to your back yeah, to your ballot. Number one has to be under, not Wisconsin. Under, not Wisconsin. No, there are I think thirty. So they're not even on the ballot. How but many Big no, Ten teams you got in the top ten? One. You can guess who would. Ohio State. That's correct. But there's four others in the top twenty-five. Sure. And they're all pretty obvious to me. Michigan's going to be there, Michigan State, Iowa, and one more, okay, Penn State. Mm-hmm. So they are obvious. Then some others that are close. Wisconsin's close. Nebraska's close. Again, I'm not, I'm not ready to rank them because they were 4-8 and eight last year. But o- they over, could, overlooking Northwestern, Bob. Northwestern also on my list. Of, they were in my top 40 or top 35. But I, I think Clemson, to me, is easy, number one, because they've got the best – most important player coming back. Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback. Correct. Great running back there. Trevor, Trevor Travis Etienne, great running back. They had 600 yards last year. They have good timing between each other. They do. They have. They're, I think their concern would be a little bit at, uh, on the offensive line. I think they lost a couple guys. Defensively, they got hit, hit really hard because NFL took all the guys. Yeah, but, but they have three defensive linemen going in the first round. Yes, and they're really good, really good team. But uh, I think Dabo Sweeney, who, as Tom Lemming pointed out, was this close to being, I'm holding my fingers close together, was this close to being fired. Early in the square at the Clemson, true. they hung on to him, worked out pretty well for Clemson. No That's kidding. another one of those timings <laughs> and everything. Things, because Dabo Sweeney has been the last four playoffs. He's going to, I'm telling and, you. And won two national titles. Born in a disaster, they're going to fifth. For sure, and I, they to me they are the hands-on favorite to win the whole thing again, and unless something happens, Trevor Lawrence got hurt. They about have a problem. You, you probably just fired up a lot of people in Tuscaloosa. They're Alabama. two. They're number two. So I'm, I'm liking them. I, I like my top four. The, those two: Georgia three, Ohio State four, five is Texas. A little bit off the charts, a little bit, but why not? Going along with our timing is everything theme. It is <laughs> five thirty-nine. And time. Take another break. We'll do that. We'll talk some Illinois basketball when we come back. We'll keep the phone lines open as well. Stay with us right here on Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS. 543, Monday Night Sports Talk with Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen. With you another 18 minutes or so. If you'd like to jump in, 356-9397. Spent the first half of the show talking... Illinois football. Let's talk some basketball now. The NCAA Basketball Academy that was held here last week is in the books. Scott, you spent a lot of time there. Bob, you uh, hung around there a little bit yourself. You've had a couple of days to to think about it since we talked about it Saturday, Scott. But uh, your thoughts on the way that went and what do you think the future might be of that? Well, I don't think my opinions changed much since Saturday. Uh, It ran well. I think I mean, Illinois had good facilities to to host you know, an event like that, but in terms of you know, the players on the court, I mean, there's a reason a lot of the top coaches didn't go to any of the academies across the country. Uh, it's just that there just weren't enough top 100 players from any class. Why do you think that was? Well, a few reasons. One, the junior national team mini camp was the same week. Uh, in Colorado Springs, that took, say, the 30 best players approximately from the 2020-21 
classes plus some 2022 and 2023 guys even. Um, and then I mean, the NCAA grabbed hold of this final piece of the recruiting calendar, the final week, you know, to exert some influence over it. And in doing so, they erased uh, what had long been the, the last week, which was in Vegas with all the AU teams there. And, and those coaches, I think f- in large part, told their players, don't go. And those coaches have some influence on these players because they've known them since they were True. 12 years old in some cases. So I think you know that combination led to a handful of probably you know legit power six guys at uh, each of the four uh, uh, academy sites and you know, there's some guys that you know played up a little bit you know compared to well, maybe where they were, were kind of considered as a prospect heading into it but I mean it's not going away that's also the, the next part is NCAA is not going to just do away with it because it got some right. kind of it got a bad rap in year one um, in fact um, Dan Gavitt who's the vice president for basketball for the NCAA it was quoted in the New York Times story actually is like we're moving forward and then we're not they're not going backward and to kind of reset things the way they used to be so to make it you know, a better thing for you know, high major programs because uh, I think maybe low major mid major guy coaches got a chance to see some players but uh, to have the buzz that the NCAA needs it to have where many fans come you know, out to check it out because there were no fans anywhere, I don't think. Got to have better players there so the coaches will show up. And I think that's maybe extending an olive branch to some of these AAU programs. And one of the players that was here spent three days on the campus of the University of Illinois and was, I, I guess you could say, one of the the higher-ranked players or a guy. Had an Illinois offer. The people wanted to see it. Had an Illinois offer spent three days on the Illinois campus narrowed his list or announced a list to 10 and it did not include Illinois. Yeah, Jalen Bridges uh, is West Virginia native four-star recruit in the 2020 class ranked as high as number 78 nationally. Um, got his first look at Illinois you know, last week and spent some time on campus, checked out the facilities. Like Basically you know, half the team showed up for his first game. You know, Jamal Walker and Shane Coleman saw him a couple times. Brad Underwood got a look at him and then and he talked about how Orlando Antigua was, you know, in contact with him basically every day. And then today it's top <laughs> top ten, no Illinois. So uh that's recruiting. It's uh just a, a crazy topsy turvy world and uh, no, nothing will change about that either. I have a question. Why was the national you maybe wrote this, where was the national uh, tryouts the same weekend as this thing? And can they move that? Well, um, they already have moved it for next year. Okay, so that so it'll be instantly better. Yeah. So they've already done one fix. Well, but that would free up some of those top prospects to come, but it doesn't mean that they will go. Well, I would because there was, I mean, a lot of top 100 players in the next two classes that weren't at the mini camp for the junior national team that either there were still some AU events going on that coaches just couldn't go to to evaluate. Um, so players were there, and some just took the last week of July off because they've been playing nonstop basketball since, you know, last year probably at this point. And another uh, player with Illinois interest that we talked about uh, last month on the show, Donnie Tillman, made up his mind today, and he will not be at Illinois. Also not Illinois. Yeah, um, the transfer from Utah, uh, 
multiple sources uh, reporting that he is going to go to UNLV, which uh, makes some sense uh, in the fact that he played high school basketball at Finley Prep, which is in Henderson, which is a suburb of Las Vegas, and he will now be able to apply for a hardship waiver and play right away, uh, given the fact, I guess, his mom is going to stay in Las Vegas instead of move back to, to Michigan, and she's got some, some pretty serious health issues, so that'll get him on the court uh, right away for the running Rebels. And the Illini basketball team will practice this week, a couple of times at least, to get set to leave on Sunday for Italy. That uh, trip should be interesting with at least three games. As far as you know, is everybody healthy? Um, the last I saw, unless I heard, yes, but that's been, a, a, I guess, a, more than a week since mm-hmm. I was mostly focused on the academy last year. Going back over uh, this week to talk to some guys, see a little bit of practice, hopefully, and I'll have maybe a, a better idea of what the travel crew looks like. So when the uh, calendar flips to uh, August, which is Thursday, that starts uh, another cycle of official visits available to Illinois, correct? Yeah, the every school gets 15 yep. to parcel the, out over the next year. And it sounds like they're going to offer an official visit to a Division three player named Austin Hutcherson. Have you looked into him? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, he plays at Wesleyan University in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I don't know much about Wesleyan University <laughs> as a basketball program, but uh, he's played pretty well. Uh, he's a six six guard out of he's from New York, so prime Illinois your recruiting territory. I mean, he's an NYC native. Averaged 20 points, 5.6 rebounds, 3.2 assists last year. Shot 39% from three as a sophomore. Shot 44% from three-point range as a freshman where he wasn't quite the, the go-to scorer. So fits in on that wing, which is uh, an area Illinois was probably going to add a player in the 2020 class anyway. Uh, he would. They've got the scholarship to get him on campus this year, but he'd have to sit a season to play two. Uh, so that would kind of give Illinois a, a different type option for the 2020 class where they could have up to five scholarships available. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's obviously a jump from Division three to Division one, but it's been done before. Sure. Uh, Duncan Robinson at Michigan might be the most recent example I can come up with, uh, you know, also in, in the Big Ten, and I'm pretty sure that the Miami Heat just signed him to a, a guaranteed contract in the offseason, so... Things worked out well for him at Michigan and now in the NBA. So, And it was also a shooter. I think shooting translates maybe better than anything else. But it would be interesting to see how, uh, if Illinois were to get Austin Hutcherson, and like, can he defend at the Big Ten right. level? Is he you know physically strong enough? You know, things like that. Scott, when's the schedule coming out? <clears throat> coming out? It's, uh, it's almost August. Season starts, as far as I know, in November so it's coming. Uh, <laughs> the season that is. The schedule uh, hopefully is coming soon. Uh, the last I had heard about it, there were still two games they were waiting to get you know, final contracts on uh, in the non-conference portion of the schedule, obviously. So uh, the hope was here at the, the beginning of August. Um, and if it's before they leave for Italy, I mean, that leaves, you know, two days uh, in the week to, to get that done. But uh, I uh, know fans want to know. I would like to know, like, where you I'm going to be you know throughout. Part, right? You know the Big Ten part. Well, yeah, we the, don't know the not days. Not the days or no, you know who they're playing, what they're playing. So I, I'm more concerned about, like, 
where I'm going to be. Right. <laughs> November. You don't cover the team. November <laughs> through February. I like, about I, you. I'd like, to, yeah. I'd like I to get my schedule. The, the timing is everything and everything. What Bob said earlier, that sums up Bob and what Scott just said sums up Scott. Right. So we got that straight, <laughs> which is good. So other news out of the Big Ten, and this is some uh, some sad news. If you've been following uh, Howard Moore and his uh, rehabilitation after his accident, he suffered. Uh, he's an assistant coach at the uh, University of Wisconsin, suffered a little bit of a setback over the weekend and uh, being uh, transported by an ambulance to uh, from one place to another, obviously, and had a... Uh, I think, yeah, I think he was at his home yeah, in, in the Madison area. Doing some some home rehab, mm-hmm. and then that had a little cardiac uh, event. There's no such thing, a little cardiac event. Well... I, I, but you're right. And uh, the guy, uh, he's been through, obviously, hell with his family, plus his wife and daughter, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And his son survived in a horrible car accident. Just a dreadful thing. And So they officially announced that he will not coach right. this year. Well, Which is not, not a surprise, but uh, they wanted to get that word out and ask for uh, prayers and thoughts for Howard Moore's family. One of the good guys, if you ever had a chance to meet him, he's, he's an outstanding guy. Yeah, exactly. I know, uh, you know, Deion Thomas, former Illini, all-time leading scorer, has a close connection with, with Moore and, and his family from their time coaching together at Illinois Chicago. And, um, you know, just a guy that you don't hear a crossword about at all. So, uh, you know, all the thoughts and uh, hope for a, as quick a recovery as you can for, for Howard Moore and, and dealing with some unimaginable circumstances. It is 5.53, Monday Night Sports Talk. We'll take one final break and be back with some final words for you after this. Stay with us. A couple of minutes before 6 o'clock on Monday Night Sports Talk. Talking uh, mainly Illinois football and basketball on this edition of the show, but there's a big baseball series getting underway tomorrow night down at Bush Stadium. In a battle of first-place teams, uh, both the Cardinals and the Cubs, Check in at 56 and 49, tied atop the National League Central. Milwaukee just a game back, and Matt, this is kind of at a point as we get ready to head into August that we talked in the preseason about that looks like it's going to be a fun race, and so far it has been. Yeah, it has, and it'll be a very interesting three games uh, in St. Louis. Both the Cardinals and Cubs have flaws that were exposed uh, this past weekend. The Cardinals and their lack of offense at times. Uh, becoming stagnant uh, in the final two games against Houston, and then uh, I think Cubs fans probably shiver with shudder with fear anytime a reliever comes in the game, uh, especially with the struggles they had uh, in Milwaukee this past weekend. But uh, Cardinals, you know, swept the Cubs earlier this year at Busch Stadium, and uh, the Cubs have the Cardinals number up in Wrigley Field. So we'll see what happens down in St. Louis. Should be a good pitching matchup on Tuesday night. Adam Wainwright going against you, Darvish, two veterans who have pitched in big games before. So uh, what more can you ask for? 57 games left for each team, both with identical records. Going to the home stretch of the season should be fun. little playoff atmosphere in the end of July. That's fun, Scott. Yeah, and – I mean, not all of the season has been fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, the NL Central is, you know, still up for grabs. Timing for every- is everything. <laughs> <And> everything. <laughs> and it's still up for grabs for everyone because no team, you know, maybe made a a move to the top while everyone was having similar struggles. But uh, a lot of games left to maybe sort that out. And uh, I think the Cardinals have, to, despite losing, you know, last two games at Houston, have to. At least be fairly pleased about how uh, things are going offensively. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt is finally living up to the billing of six-time All-Star, and you know that, that 
giant extension he got. And if he, if he hits like that, you know, I think the Cardinals will continue to at least win more than they lose. It'll be interesting to see uh, what uh, both the Cardinals and the Cubs might or might not do here in the next couple of days as the trade deadline approaches. And unlike in past years, after the deadline, you're not doing anything else. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. After once once Wednesday uh, afternoon arrives, that that's it for. Uh, for How the, the Braves doing, Bob? They okay? We're okay, I'm a little nervous, but we're, looking over we're your fine. shoulder a little we're bit. We're fine, a little bit. Uh, he's already he's already bought his playoff tickets. Go Steve. Cubs and Cardinals. <laughs> that's going to take care of Monday Night Sports Talk. We appreciate you listening. Thanks to Ed Bond for his help as well. Matt Daniels, Bob Osmus, and Scott Ritchie. I'm Steve Kelly. We'll talk to you again next week and along the way during the week as well. On News Talk 1400 WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Have a good night, everybody. A California community tries to deal with the latest mass shooting. We are resilient and we will get through this. Two U.S. teens behind bars for killing a Rome police officer. Italian law enforcement says the two American teenagers